You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of The Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Kilfer. And unfortunately, Susie can't join us today, but we do have a guest joining us. Eric Butel. Thank you for coming back, good sir. Uh, We're continuing our month of big-budget horror with episode 147, Prometheus, from 2012. Uh, It's two hours and four minutes, directed by Ridley Scott, (laughs) who we would know from Alien, Blade Runner, Legend, Thelma and Louise, G.I. Jane, bunch of movies, Uh, Hannibal, Alien Covenant, which we will mention during this. (laughs) Um, I mentioned on our Alien episode that I am not the biggest Ridley Scott fan. I have uh, a strong opinion that it's usually his writers and actors that make the film good and not him. Um, I 100% believe Dan O'Bannon's script made Alien what it is. Because after seeing this film and Alien Covenant, I truly believe... Ridley Scott has no idea what made it, made that first film good. But, anyway, let's go around the table and see what everyone thinks. Eric, as you are our guest, it's customary we start with you. So what are your thoughts on Prometheus? Um, I have a lot, but the movie... Like, okay. I like this movie in the way that, like, you think back and this... And I think this is why maybe a lot of people were also simultaneously turned off. It's kind of like a college student that took a philosophy class, mm-hmm. and then they made it into a Spawn comic book. <laughs> okay. And so it's it's kind of like a little bit at war with itself, I think. And then everybody knew it was taking place in the Alien universe, too, so I think there was... I don't know. It's a weird thing. It's... um. Aliens, like a kind of a haunted house, like slasher movie, mm-hmm. um, but it's done very, very well. And this, I think they almost looked at like newer slasher movies or something, where you know they have to write people where they're not. I don't know. They're just all like football jocks that you want to see get off. Yep this not, this is the dumbest off, group of scientists. <laughs> Yeah, and then, like, but then, yeah, it also has, like, this thing where it's, like, and the score is confusing to me, too, because it's, I like the score a lot, Mm -hmm. but it's, like, got this wondrous, like, Close Encounters of the Third Kind thing, and, like, I don't know, like, Ancient Aliens and stuff like that, and that's a whole other thing for me, too. (laughs) There's something that happened with our culture, like, as, as, as church went out, um, at least in Western society, I feel like... We got obsessed with knowing it all, especially with the internet. And mm-hmm. I feel like the ancient alien thing and those the chariots of the gods, like those theories, came up again because people are like, "Well, this can't just be." And I think that it's like, you know, I don't know. It's kind of discrediting humanity in a big way. Like, yes. people can't just believe, like, oh, you know, maybe these people just 
did this like a long time ago. But anyways, I'm 100 um, percent in agreement with you. I'll, I'll that's get to not that. Ridley Scott's fault. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the movie just seems like really at war with itself, and then the ultimate like the questions it's posing about like faith and you know where we came from and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like the college kid in philosophy class. It's also like, well, there it is. That is like that's all you need to know. Like, mm-hmm. And they actually yeah. have a character who says it's, this. It's like there it is. Like fuck you. And it's like, what? I, you can't. I mean, you can say that, but I guess just the tone of it is just like, right. You know. See now, for me, that concept uh, with my own personal religious beliefs, and like this type of of alien idea. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I really liked in this film is they have that concept of, like, what you choose to believe. Mm-hmm. And how it's not harming anyone else if you choose to believe that. And I liked that because it was an interesting way to look at it where it's like, yeah, of course you can't prove your faith. You know, I mean, faith is unprovable. It's just something you feel. And that's okay. <laughs> like, as long as you ain't hurting somebody, that's fine. Um, but no, the whole ancients and alien thing, like... My, my wife was watching it for a while and like I tried to watch it with her and I got super offended because they were showing like these sculptures that were like humanoid sculptures, but they had round spherical heads. They're like, clearly this was a spacesuit. Someone, how would mankind know to make this? And I'm like, oh gee, I don't know. Artists? Like I don't fucking see monsters, but I draw them all the damn time. <laughs> like, And it's, it's really weird that like, I, I know... And you can only look at this in hindsight or from watching behind the scenes stuff. Like, but you watch the movie and it's like, okay, like, when is this fitting into the alien thing? And they're like, okay, they're explaining where the aliens came from and stuff and who that guy was in the chair. Right. But it's a real weird, well, it's not weird. I guess it's just like, if you're drawing the line from there to there, it's, that's where I think the movie is like pushing and pulling as it's trying to be like so many things at once. Yeah, but they're not aliens. They're human. Which ones? <clears throat> the the giants. Mm, they're not human. We're based on them. So technically, they're uh, they're the engineers, whatever race they are, and we're them. No, because she says they're human, like us. Or they're just... she she says their DNA matches ours. Well, yeah, <laughs> so, they're human. But what I'm saying is, we named ourselves humans. So technically, we would be <laughs> them. <laughs> not not the other way around. Because <laughs> they came first. <laughs> Which, I mean, I don't understand how by watching this, but... Yeah, yeah, I got questions about that, too. Saying that we're in 2022 now, and... Yeah. I don't see these big Thanos guys walking around <laughs> before us. I, I have a whole lot of questions about the creation <laughs> stuff in this film. But, well, Maurice, what are your thoughts on this? I know you and I saw it in the theater, and, and we both kind of liked it back in the day, but after watching it critically, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I... I, I still like the movie, but it, it is very... Watching critically, it's very questionable. <laughs> um, yep. I don't think I put too much thought into it when I first saw it. Yeah, no, same. It you was know, just kind I of like, ooh, look cool pretty. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I wasn't watching it critically at the time. But now I'm like... I'm confused. Yeah. Very confused by a lot of it. <laughs> um, and it makes me hate Alien Covenant even more. For some reason. See, now, Eric, we're going to have to bring you back because of what you said off the air about Alien Covenant. <laughs> um, I said it was I liked Alien Covenant more than Prometheus. But, 
I'm going to cut him off right there. <laughs> well, I'm just going to go ahead and say when we do come back to movies we hate, that's going to be one of my three picks. So <laughs> I, I probably, after watching Prometheus, sometime, I don't know, when I get some time again, I'm going to watch Alien Covenant. I don't know why, but I'm going to watch it just to see if maybe, just maybe. How it stacks up? It's not as bad, but watching this now, it just... Makes me hate it more, so maybe I'll hate it a little bit less. If I <laughs> do you do you not like Ridley Scott like he does, or in general? Or no, just I, well, that I, I, it's, I don't have an opinion here or there with Ridley Scott, um, but I, I gotta agree with Mike. I feel like the writers make him, writers and actors make him, and uh, I don't I, think Blade Runner was good because of Ridley Scott. I think that was more Philip K. Dick. <laughs> I, I, See, that's the one out of everything I would say is the only reason it's good. You know why I, I, I don't credit him? You've seen the director's cut and the standard cut, right? Uh, probably, I've sat through all of that. The, the fact that he was going to answer the question about what Deckard really was right. versus leaving it the way it should have been where it was a question. He's like, no, no, the people need to know. And it's like, dude, you don't know what makes your own movies good. <laughs> Stop it! Well, yeah, that's that's another <laughs> thing too. Like that distance, I think, in an audience. And I, the, speaking of the, sorry, I don't know, but like talking about this movie and then its sequel, it's very clear they were like, no, 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 like more alien, more alien in the second one. And the first one was, I think, more along the lines of like Blade Runner, where it was, I think it was supposed to be a movie about a psychotic robot. Yeah, <laughs> Which, no, it was. I think they still are, but. It, well, yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. There was a lot of, like, existential questioning in this film. And that's the, the reason that Alien Covenant pisses me off even further is because he was supposed to do Prometheus too. He announced it in multiple interviews. He announced it over and over. Oh, no, no, I'm not going back to the aliens just yet. We're not getting back to the xenomorphs. We're moving on with the engineers and the life cycle of the deacon and all that. Okay, cool. Then uh, Blumkamp came along and was like, hey, we're going to do Alien 5. But we're basically going to say forget Alien 3 and 4 and it's going to be like old woman Ripley and, you know, like adult Newt and all that. Suddenly he was like, I'm taking my ball and going home. I'm going to have aliens in my next movie. And it's like, fuck you, Scott. Like, <laughs> I guarantee you the Womb Camp movie would have been a million times better. I guarantee. And, I, and I'm, a, the, I'm not a fan other. of that retro, like retconning crap. I don't like that. Like, I, I just, it would have been great to see them on the screen together, but like... Now that I'm seeing, I've talked about this with a few people, like the new Jurassic Park, like, we're going to be watching the same shit for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Like, it's going to be the same. Legacies. Yeah. Yep. And it's, like, that's why I'm, like, at one point, like, I'm, like, this is exhausting and just boring. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my that's how my opinion was about Jurassic World Dominion. Well, you and I—it I, oh. was—it was okay, but I—I I wouldn't it's recommend it. Like how it. much? Yeah, like how much links to the original I, like, pull you that far? And I personally would have stopped after one. See, I'm, I would have made that a trail. I thought Jurassic World was great on its own. Oh, the Jurassic World. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean Jurassic Park one and two were good. I actually Jurassic, like the first three movies. I'll be honest. I like part three. It was all right, but what, what was it? Part four? They went to New York City. No, that was in Lost World. We're at the end. We're, yeah, they oh, brought the chair. Uh, part, part three, they go back to the island, 
Um, that's that's the the third or the second one. Oh, that's right. right. And uh, then they go to Jurassic World after that. Yeah. But no, like we, you and I talked about the Scream Legacy. This is the thing with Legacy sequels. Like, it's I'm totally all for doing like a Legacy, making acknowledgments to the past, giving us the new cast, and then passing the torch. Move forward. But Give us something new. Well, they sure as hell didn't pass the torch in Scream Three. Well, no, but but you know, in Scream Five now, it's like they clearly are like, okay, that one, yeah, that it was it was weird. The new Scream, I thought, was one of the I liked it a lot because I thought it was one of the stranger incidents where I felt like I was watching the movie in nineteen ninety seven again. Yeah, it was I I really liked Scream Five. There was something with the way they did it where I was just like, oh, this feels like fresh in a way i guess even though it's part 12 <laughs> i'll be honest like i'm not too broken up about the fact that sydney's not going to be in the next one don't get me wrong i think it's wrong how they what they did to nev campbell like the woman definitely should have been paid what she's worth That's but right, yeah. the fact that she decided to bow out and now they're like okay we're writing it without her i honestly think that's kind of a smart move like she had her five movies she was amazing in them Let's get the new cast. Let's move on with well, the new let's characters. Let's get Courtney Cox out of there, then. Please. I would love if she would be. <laughs> I'm sick well, of Gal Weathers. As, as much as I... I don't have anything against Courtney Cox, but I'm sick of Gal Weathers. I'm sick of all of them. Let's go with the new cast. Right. Or just the ones who are actually good actors. Like Because let's be honest, Courtney Cox, Nev Campbell... I like Nev Campbell. And David Arquette are not... Good actors. Oh, see, I disagree with you on Nev Campbell. Uh, Courtney so. Cox, I'm not too crazy about. Um, they're, they're not good. They couldn't, they couldn't do their own movies. David but. Arquette's funny in some movies. No, Come he's on. not. Ravenous. He was awesome in Ravenous. The crazy pothead dude. <laughs> I loved him with that. I could do that. Eight-Legged Freaks. He's good in Eight-Legged Freaks. I'm like any other man. I only watch that because Ready, ready to Rumble? <laughs> oh yeah oh, oh yeah I love that and then he actually won the WCW title and made that a joke <laughs> oh. Scott Scott Conn, I think um, yeah I'm not a fan of David Arquette can I can tell <laughs> what about Patricia Arquette she's a good actress okay. I do like her hitting in one of the Arquette dynasty yeah she's probably the best of the Arquettes I would in my opinion at least but yeah but back to Prometheus. Back to Prometheus. I I like the way it looks. Even now, you know, I mean, it's, I, granted, it's, I feel like it just came out, but it's been out ten years now. It it had, the effects are gorgeous in this movie. Yeah, they really uh, still are. to this day they still look good. Um, I like how the you know the, the uh, what do we call them giants? The engineers. Engineers. Yeah, the engineers look good. You can call them giants. I, I like the look. Um, you know that part. That's cool. Uh, the story. Not as good as I remember it, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of things that don't make sense. A lot of, you know, we'll touch on that when we get to it. But, I mean, if it's on, I'll watch it. I yeah. own it. I'm, I think I went on Blu-ray, to be honest. Same. Um, but. Couldn't find my copy. <laughs> <laughs> it's in storage. But it doesn't, story-wise, it doesn't hold up for me because I have, I do have a lot of questions now, and. A lot of it doesn't make sense. Yep. Um, but if you like a you know a popcorn sci-fi movie, yeah, you, you, you know, I'd recommend it to someone to watch. 
Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm actually totally in agreement with you on this one, Maurice. Like, I, I think it looks gorgeous. Like, I love the effects, and I, that is one thing, one credit I will give Ridley Scott because this was directly because of him. He pushed, in spite of the studio's interference, he pushed for practical effects mixed with CG. They wanted to go more visual effects, and he kept saying no, practical when possible. Visual only when necessary. So, like, obviously, like, the engineer's face, like, the expressions and stuff, a lot of it is enhanced with CG, but it actually is an animatronic mask. I'm in love with their design. I really like it. Oh, I love, I love the whole, and I love, that's, that's the thing. I wanted Prometheus 2 to be more about the engineers. Like, I was, wanted to know more about them. The trilobite, you know, the um, proto face hugger that we get, that's a practical puppet, that they then enhanced with CG where it's like tentacles were moving around and stuff. So I love the look of this film. I love the design of the Prometheus. I think that's a cool looking ship. I do have questions how we had this awesome, sleek, bird-like design for a ship. And then we get the Nostromo like 100 years later that just looks like a skyscraper in space. You know? <laughs> it's, it's like, all right, hey, it works, but you know. Um, just a cheaper model. Right. <laughs> that was the space trucker model. Um but yeah, I mean, the soundtrack or the score is is awesome. I like most of the actors in this film. I was gonna say I was gonna cut you off. Say I forgot to mention that the the, the, the cast is great. Yeah, there's a lot of really good actors. Like I in forgot this. that Idris is it Idris or Idris. I always say Idris, but I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. I say Idris. Okay, Idris, Idris, Idris Elba. Elba. I forgot that he was in it. Yeah, until I saw him. And his character's really good. Yeah, like again, he's there's not really any one character in this movie that I'm like. I hate that character. I mean, Holloway leaves a little bit to be the d- desire. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I hate Fayfield. But but here's the thing. But see, I like their character because of what they do in like their role. I like. Oh yeah, like they do it well. They're a good actor, but I can't stand Fayfield. <laughs> He's he is a dick. But um, Sean, Sean Harris is a good actor though. Let's mm-hmm. see the guy that came back as the like yeah yeah the mutant. maniac. Mm-hmm. He, he looks like uh, Seamus from wrestling. <laughs> it's. <laughs> But no, I like overall everything about this film. I enjoy except the giant plot holes. Like I like the idea of the story. You know, I'm entertained while I'm watching it. But it's like if the rest of the Alien franchise did not exist, and and this is what I had, I would love it. But knowing it's a prequel, and knowing what I know about the rest of the franchise, it drives me nuts. And that's I think a problem I have with prequels in general. Because um, I really can't think of a prequel that I think is outstanding. Um, there are ones that I really, really like. Like, I loved the new Obi-Wan. I thought that was fantastic. Mm. The prequel Star Wars movies, I have my problems with. I, I don't think they're as bad as everyone says, but I do have my problems. Um, I'm curious about the prequel Predator that's coming out. Mm. Like, you know, but there's a lot of prequels where I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's good. But it leaves problems. And this is the same. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's get into the cast here. Uh, it's a pretty big cast. We have Elizabeth Shaw, played by, I'm going to say this wrong, Numi Rapace, I believe. She's in Alien Covenant, Bright, and Jack Ryan. Uh, David, played by Michael Fassbender. We would know him from 300 and Glorious Bastards. Magneto. Ma- yeah, I was going to say the X-Men movies. <laughs> uh, Assassin's Creed, um, Jonah Hex. I always forget he was in that. Yeah, we forget about Jonah Hex. Again, that was one of those movies that was like, wow, this should be good, and it's, and it's just not. not. Yep. <laughs> uh, Meredith Vickers, played by Charlize Theron. Um, I had to put this in here just because I find it funny that she was in Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest. Um, 
But she was in The Astronaut's Wife, which is a, a movie I mentioned last week that I would love to get on this show. Um, she's also in Eon Flux, uh, obviously Mad Max Fury Road. Everyone knows her from that. Atomic Blonde, uh, the new Doctor Strange movie. What? That's a spoiler. Oh, whatever. It's past the two weeks. <laughs> and we warn people, spoilers ahead. I just watched it a couple days ago. I have no idea who she is. She's... As She's the future of Mrs. Strange. Yeah, I was going to that's his wife. He had to explain it to me because I didn't know who she was I either. haven't really read Doctor Strange either, so it's just stuff I've looked up. But right now, she's actually in the comics. She's actually the Sorcerer's Supreme. Oh, okay. So, but We'll yeah. see what happens in the next uh, Strange, you know, when they, they go off to fight off the incursion, as yeah. I mentioned. Um, then we have Yannick, played by Idris Elba. We would know him from 28 Weeks Later, the Thor movies, uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Pacific Rim, Dark Tower, The Suicide Squad, and Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which if you have not watched it, is freaking awesome, where he voices Knuckles. It's great. (laughs) It's so good. Uh, Peter Whalen, played by Guy Pearce, uh, Ravenous, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, Iron Man 3, um, The Time Machine, Memento, a bunch of stuff. He's such a good, he's a good actor. Oh, I love Guy Pearce. Uh, Charlie Holloway, played by Logan Marshall Green. He was in 24, Devil and Upgrade. Don't know this guy. Uh, Still F- guy. <laughs> Fifield, played by Sean Harris. He was in Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, Possum, and The Green Knight. And he looks like Seamus, like I said before. <laughs> uh, Milburn, who, uh, as Rafe Spall, who we saw in Shaun of the Dead. He was the guy who was like, you've got red on you. The, 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 the little nerdy guy, or not nerdy guy, the like bully guy that worked with yeah. Sean. He was also in Hot Fuzz, Life of Pi, The Ritual, which is a really good movie. Um, and Men in Black International. Then we have Chance, played by Iman Elliott. He's in Gabe of Thrones, Star Wars The Force Awakens, and The Kingsman. Uh, Ravel, played by Benedict Wong, who obviously we, we would know from the MCU movies as Wong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Sunshine, Kick-Ass 2, Gemini Man, and... Oh, that was the last one I had on there. Um, then Ford, played by Kate Dickey. She was in Outcast, Game of Thrones, The Vavitch. Uh, Prevenge, Star Wars The Last Jedi, The Green Knight, and The Northmen. Oh my god, I forgot that... I watched this movie three days ago, and I was pretty tired and slightly inebriated, but I forgot she was in this again until you told me that, and I'm like, yep. I'm sure you have it in your notes, but I don't, she, did she just like walk out of a door in this movie? What happened to her? <laughs> she, she gets killed by the engineer. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's right, when they go back. Okay. Yeah. He, and it's kind of funny how she gets killed, because he just like Hassan chops her to the chest, and she's like, Bleh. She's just done. Um, But uh, for anyone who has listened to this who has not seen the movie, the basic plot is, following clues to the origin of mankind, a team of scientists find a structure on a distant moon where they believe they might just finally meet their makers. So we open with an engineer being left on Earth to sacrifice himself and uh, begin life on the planet. He does this by drinking a strange pulsating substance, which immediately begins to alter his DNA and dissolves him as he falls into a, a waterfall. Now, if you're watching this and live where I live, you think it's the normal, typical day down in Niagara Falls where a crackhead a falls. Crackhead in. is <laughs> snorting crack, takes too much, and falls into the yeah. Falls. And they disintegrate. Yeah. yeah, they disintegrate, and then they alter life down there. Yeah. <laughs> But we see his corpse in the waterfall mixed with the water. Where do you you live? (laughs) (laughs) Just Niagara Falls. (laughs) Just downtown. (laughs) 
But like we see the this like black goo mixing in with the water, and then we get the title oh, card. Perfect, Niagara Falls. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. <laughs> we fast forward to Scotland, twenty eighty nine, where we meet Doctor Elizabeth Shaw and Doctor Charlie Holloway at an archaeological site where they discover a cave painting over thirty five thousand years old depicting the engineers and a specific celestial configuration. So what's so different about that and ancient aliens? They're all pointing to the stars. Right. They're alien. Yeah, that, this this actually was a map. But somebody sculpting a little uh, doll is not signs of aliens. Listen, some of the... I'm going to argue for ancient aliens. Some of those depictions do look rather alienish. Well, then by that logic, all the weird shit I draw, I'm seeing regularly. So I have a gateway in my basement. Well, again, you do live in Niagara Falls, so... <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not saying all of them. I'm just saying some. I just saw it when you were talking about this, the plot. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, go for it. But it is bringing to mind, I'm sure there's like, I'm trying to think now how many movies have kind of done this, even though this does feel fresher, quote mm-hmm. unquote, for me. Like, Stargate did this. Right? Yep. And there was, didn't, Wait a minute. Now, I know these aren't considered canon, but didn't they do that in AVP? Yes. Okay. So that's the thing. There there are a ton of sci-fi movies that are like, hey, aliens came here and showed us the way. You but know? it's weird that it's happened twice in this. <laughs> but we, we have to discredit the AVP movies, which I also have in my trivia. We have to discredit those now because, and I quote, when Ridley Scott was asked, hey... How does this tie into the Alien versus Predator movies? He just stared as if slapped in the face, refused to answer, and walked away. I think he forgot that movie came out. I think he just doesn't respect any movie he didn't make, because he also didn't respect Aliens. He thought that it was a cash grab. I mean, <laughs> I can't blame him for those ones. I can't. I like the first AVP. The second one, I loathe. I think Requiem is really bad. And I have a whole, actually, me and Josh had a whole rant about our word, you know, sequels. Like, where it's like, Revelation, Requiem, Retaliation. <laughs> like, it's always, like, why is it always an R word? And what is, be, how does Requiem even make sense to that? <laughs> Just, ah, I don't know, why can't they do, like, be of some butt, do the universe? <laughs> <laughs> alien, alien vs. Predator 2. <laughs> this time it's personal, you know? I think Alien versus Predator do the universe. Yeah. I know. I think that should be I, I that should watch, have been the I would title. watch that. Yeah, that's a good title. <laughs> but they believe the engineers have been leaving them messages, uh, leaving messages for mankind to come and find them. So we cut to space where we see uh, the ship Prometheus. It says crew 17, date 21st uh, of December 2093, and they're on their way to find the engineers. We meet David uh, as he watches over the crew in stasis and watching Shaw's dreams, which is really creepy. He's got a beautiful set of hair. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> I'm but, a little jealous. I know, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinning, so yeah, I was a little jealous myself. But we're treated to a montage of him kind of going about the ship, studying languages, playing, watching movies, and eating. I've always enjoyed this in sci-fi movies where we see like the one lone person just kind of like trying to fill their time like omega man like you know trying to it's, fill the time it's very 2001 yes you know, i love that mouse wheel kind of thing yeah but uh, eventually they reach their destination where we meet meredith vickers 
who is up and out of stasis and already doing push-ups. I got a problem with this. It's like, I know you want her to seem like she's badass, but like you're telling me that after a three-year stasis sleep where everyone else is vomiting and is like wobbly-legged, she just jumped up, ran to her private quarters, and started doing push-ups. She seems pretty stressed at her job. I can only say from experience, but I gotta go work sometimes. I literally like feel like I get run a mile. Like, She's an android. Honestly, it felt like that's what they were trying to make us question. I mean, they even have well, Yannick talk about it. I was just gonna say though. Mm. I mean, yeah, I had to have her have sex with him in order to prove that she wasn't or something. Well, you you can be an android. I was gonna sex. say. But does it really prove it? Do we do yeah. we know if the androids can have sex or not? I mean, not? this movie not has more been. unanswered questions. <laughs> not that I've had sex with an android, but... Sure. But. I'm, I'm oh, believe me, I would have break you. I think we scared Eric away. <laughs> but she orders David to get the rest of the crew out of stasis and start things up. So we meet the rest of the crew and we find out their mission. We see a recording of Peter Wayland. He tells them that by the time they see this, he'll be dead. He already looks dead. He does. With all those prosthetics and And Here's another thing that bugs me. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Guy Pearce. But they had freaking Lance Hendrickson as the founder of the Whalen Corporation and the AVP movies. You could have just brought him back. He already looked dead at the time. Is he still alive? Oh, yeah. No, he's He's still alive. alive. And Bishop. He looks dead. They they talk about the, the android, the first android being based on him. And it was the Bishop model. So it's like, there's no reason they couldn't have been like, oh yeah, that was Wayland. You know, we already know Aliens exists in this timeline where Bishop is one of the androids. Like, there's, there was no reason for that change. Mm-hmm. It just irks me. Did you guys, again, useless stuff. <laughs> Even if you like movies, you shouldn't waste your time on. But did you ever read the original script for this movie? No. No. The John Spates one before no. the, uh, Damon Lindelof took it over? It goes directly into Alien, pretty much. Oh, okay. It takes place on LV-426. It's not some other planet. And I feel like... Oh, and I, I don't think... Somebody's going to yell at me for this on your podcast, but <laughs> I don't think he's in it. Like, he's not on the ship, Wayland. Okay. They go to meet him, and they say, Godspeed, and then he goes. I could be wrong, but I don't think he was as big a part of it, really. That he is in this one? Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm curious, like, maybe if that was finagled and messed around with and stuff like that. Probably. I'll have it to, feels like most of this is, though, so. It kind of, yeah, it kind of feels like they had a lot of ideas that they kept changing and they don't quite fit together right. It's like they're jamming the puzzle pieces together, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he basically says, hey, by the time you see this, I'll be dead. Tells him, we find out here that David is an android. This, says, this message will self-destruct. <laughs> right. He talks about how David is the closest thing he'll ever have to a son and blah, 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 but he has no soul, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then he tells them that Dr. Shaw and Holloway are in charge. He then turns the floor over to them, and they explain about the markers left by the engineers and how they followed it to the system that they currently find themselves in, where there's a moon capable of sustaining life. This is LV-223. Um, everyone except Shaw, Holloway, and David seem skeptical. David takes Holloway and Shaw to meet Vickers in her private quarters, which is actually a separate pod. They call it a lifeboat, or Chekhov's lifeboat, if you will. She's an um, android. <laughs> where we also see Chekhov's med pod. It's going to definitely come into play. Um, she explains to both of them that the Wayland Corporation is funding this operation, which makes them both employees. And she doesn't believe in the engineers, but if she's wrong and they do exist... 
They are not to make contact and report back to her immediately. Of course, this goes over like a lead balloon with the two of them. They're pissed because the whole point of them coming out here is they want to meet their makers. So they go to land on LV-223, and we get a bit of expositional dialogue explaining that the atmosphere is hostile, and within two minutes without a suit, they die. They then find what looks like a runway and several structures that may or may not be natural. So they land the ship there. The team suits up to go off and investigate the structure. Now, a couple of things here bugs the shit out of me. Shaw tells the one guard that's supposed to come with them, no weapons, this is a scientific mission. You're on an alien planet. You don't know if there's going to be dangers. Why not take one just in case? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like... It's like, ugh, you're a scientist. Why are you this dumb? Um, there's, it's funny. There's no discussion like in a lot of these stories. I, I feel like that's another component you expect to like, you know, that part of the alien story is there's always contact, like the first contact, what do we do? Right. And this, it's like, let's just get our ATVs and pull up. Yep. Even though it's a private corporation, or it's supposed to be, even though it sounds like it rules the world. Mm-hmm. But see, I will argue that in this and Covenant, they actually get worse and worse as far as dumb scientists go with first exposure. Whereas with Alien, they go in, nobody takes off their suit. Like, they're very careful, and one person makes a fuck up. It isn't the entire team just like, ah, fuck it, let's go. Well, like because they're 100 years advanced. Yeah, exactly. I mean, by the time you get to Aliens, they're going in with fucking Marines. They're like, no, we're, we're going in careful. And so... But we also get another thing here is Holloway repeatedly gives David shit about how he's not human. And you can see it's getting to David. Like, that mm-hmm. actually kind of, like, is an ongoing thing with the rest of the film. So they make the ran inside the structure. Feifold sends For out... No, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. For no reason. Right. He's... You know what it, it is? Is basically, I feel like it's the whole thing of Holloway's a non-believer. Like, he doesn't believe. But and what does that have to do with a robot? Because he's trying to, like basically kind of show that we're your makers you know like he's being a dick he's being the the asshole creator but this is this is this is the crux of the movie like that doesn't like if what you're saying is true like i just don't understand why i I get people in movies are defined usually by like one sole trait right they're not multi-dimensional especially in these movies (laughs) yeah but like he's on his way to try and meet Mm-hmm. Our makers. Which so why would I think it, it it's showing how um I, not only how like ignorant mankind can be, but just how cruel I mankind think he's jealous. Well yeah, but i I like I kinda like the idea that this this movie, like from top to bottom, deals with, you know, creators being cruel to their creation. You know, because it talks about the engineers and how the engineers want to destroy us, and it shows mankind made David and da- and mankind wants to destroy him, and then David wants to destroy Upward, you know, and so like, does it... <laughs> I'm so like confused by this. Like, so I get what, I get what you're saying, but like, if that was true, like, so what's like its thesis then to be like religion? Shaw bad. just well, <laughs> I think no, that's kind of what it's getting. But, at. Like, but also like, but at the end, it's like Shaw's like I I choose to believe what I want to believe, and it's like, but look what happens to her. I mean, yeah, but in, in, in just in this movie, if you're right. just basing it on this movie, it's, it's very, I don't know. It, it's, yeah, I mean, like I said, it feels like there was a lot of ideas that didn't quite gel, you know? 
And when you see what happens in Covenant, it's like it just kind of makes that whole thing worse. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, so once they're in the structure, Fifield sends out drones to map the insides of the structure pups. as they explore. Uh, which is it? Pups. Pups, yeah, his pups. Um, back on the Prometheus, they see a 3D blueprint of the structure being built as the drones map it out. Eventually they come to a section where they believe the engineers were terraforming as the air is breathable. So what do they do? They take their fucking helmets off. Very scientific. Well, one guy does it. And then they all follow. Because <laughs> they're like, you crazy son of a bitch, I'm in. You know, they just... Oh, because I'm like, there's no worry of unknown airborne pathogens. Like, you're on an alien planet. Like, what the... And that, that bugs me even more in part two, because in Covenant, they go to an alien planet, no one's wearing protective gear. They just walk out and they're snorting spores. It's like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it drove me crazy. I, yeah. Well, I mean, the way this country's going, maybe people just... <laughs> this is tr- Actually, you know what? That's a good point. <laughs> we're, we're headed toward this direction. Although, to be fair, we're more headed toward idiocracy than actually inter- interstellar travel. Mm. But um, I do like, there's a little throwaway line here where they, they talk about the water that's uh, that's flowing in this area. And they go, why isn't it freezing? And the one guy goes, maybe it's not water. And then you just hear the biologist go, maybe it's Martian piss. <laughs> it's like, is, is that your expert opinion? <laughs> like, it's Martian piss? Mm-hmm. So as they explore, David finds some green goo in some strange carvings on, on the wall and immediately knows what to do. He just starts sliding his fingers through the little carvings and creates uh, or, or recreates a holographic image. Now, a couple questions here. With the green goo, when they, when he shows him, like, he moves his fingers apart and you see all those little particulates in it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But was that supposed to be, like, some kind of, like, technology? Because it's very reminiscent of the look of the holograms and all the stuff that they use. So is it some kind of, like, liquid processor unit or something? Like, I, I, I didn't feel like it was organic. I don't know what they were trying to show us there. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I lost my slime. Time. Yeah, it, it it was just it was strange. So, but anyway, he he triggers this event where we see holographic images. Well, first we hear this roar, which is going to come back later in the film. So we hear this roar, and then we see this holographic uh, replay of the engineers in their whole like the space jockey outfit running down the hall past them. You know, so they all kind of freak out and follow the holograms, and they follow it to the point where they see a well. They see the hologram of one of the engineers fall and get decapitated by a door, and then they go around the corner and they see the preserved body of the engineer laying there. They carbon date it and find out that it's been there for over two thousand years. Fifield and Milburn freak out and want nothing to do with this, so they leave to head back to the ship. More on them soon. Hmm. So, yeah, they uh, they end up. They're still studying the fucking body, and David's just like, let me poke the buttons on the wall again. It just opens the door that decapitated him. <laughs> so, and again, of course he knows how to work the alien technology for plot reasons. Like, how does he know any of this? Well, he is an android. But still, how would he know any of this? Well, I mean, look at any like anything that's out now. Androids from the future know this shit. They it's don't just, ever explain why. They just do. Well, right. It's just, it's like, I'm doing this for David reasons. <laughs> like, it's Remember, just, it's in the future. Uh, close future. Right. Now, but. So, so by, you know, 
2089, we'll have... Well, uh, well, I think by the time they're there, it's 2091, right? 93. 93, Because 89 was the beginning of the movie. Yeah. This is 93. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, so they get inside, and uh, not only do they find the engineer's severed head perfectly preserved but a huge chamber filled with small oblong containers and art depicting the engineers and what looks like a proto-xenomorph. We also see small worms wriggling about in the soil, which that'll come back Check in Chekhov's worms. Yep. Now, due to them opening the door, they've changed the temperature in the room and things rapidly start to change. Shaw and Ford quickly bag up the head. David notices the black goo spilling out of one of the containers. He freezes it and quietly bags the container up. And then back on the ship, they notice a nasty storm is kind of rolling in, so they alert the crew they got to get back immediately or they'll be dead out in the storm. The group takes off, uh, but as they do, we get a close-up of the worms getting into the black goo that spilled from the containers, so dun-dun-dun, you know that's going to come back. The group rush back to the ship as the storm closes in. Shaw drops the bag with the engineer head and goes after it and is thrown by the storm outside the ship. Holloway goes after her. The two of them are thrown around like ragdolls until David comes out on like a safety line, grabs them, and pulls them back into the ship before they're blown away. We find out that Fifield and Milburn got lost in the structure and never made their way back to the ship. Now, due to the storm, they can't come and rescue them, so they have to stay put until the storm passes and more, by you know have to stay all night basically. This is one of the guys that mapped the place with his robots. Yeah, uh, yeah Fifield, and then Mil- Fifield was the geologist, right? He and got lost on his own map. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> Milburn's the biologist, which, what he does later, oh my god. But So that's kind of the end of Act 1. That's our, our little setup. So what do you guys think of this setup? Like, were you guys enjoying it at this point? Well, yes and no. It was like, we were, like that guy. Like, it's just like, I don't know, there's just... I don't know if people are just out of touch with reality so much that their movies are written based on what you've seen in another movie. <laughs> I think you're right on movie. that. So, like, in Alien, there was, like, like quote-unquote, like, blue-collar guys on the ship. Like, they maybe didn't make, like, the smartest decisions, but they were. They were truckers. They were space they truckers. They weren't, like, stupid, or at least I didn't think they were, like, no. dumb. They were just kind of, it was, like, happenstance. And in this, it's, like... You have that guy, like, cussing everyone out, being like, I don't know what I'm doing here, and it's like... Mm, it's, I'm here to make money. It's like, if you don't want to be there, I don't want to be there. Like, I, I don't like, <laughs> well, you know, this, this is what bothers me about this whole movie, and again, Alien Covenant, the same thing. You have scientists. This is a group of scientists. They all have a specialty. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't like ancient aliens, but he's doing the. I'm doing the hands, the aliens. But this is a group of scientists, and they make the dumbest fucking decisions. Whereas in Alien, they were space truckers, and like, yeah, one person fucks up. Ripley is like following every like bit of protocol throughout the entire film, so much so that she's constantly fighting with Dallas, who's trying to go against protocol. I do. I do think there's a lot of like seed filling too, like. Mm-hmm. There was this, a lot of like really sped up like setup for the movie. In yeah, the opening that we were talking about like it just yeah, it's cramming a lot in. I don't know. Aliens. <laughs> you know, I'm offended though. I met him. Did you? I saw him when you you met at um, he Scott? played at uh he did a thing at uh what the hell's the name of the place? Was it Nietzsche's I think? Mm-hmm. So, 
He knew it's aliens. Is this the guy with the hair? The yeah. Okay. So I've never actually seen ancient aliens. I just brought it up as a reference point. Like I've unfortunately seen it. He he watched. But I know I watch it religiously. <laughs> but we won't get into that part because my my thoughts are different than most people. So well, no, and that's so total, it, that's so totally fine. On this show, do they have like? I'm not saying that show's does, reason. Does anybody like? Actually, talk like and say, okay, here's what we do if they came here or we found them. Is there any sort of like discuss, or is it just like no, mostly about correlation? It's mostly stuff. about the past because it's ancient uh, aliens. It's about what, it's not, what the things they found or were built back then. You know, it's not, okay. Hence the title. I was <laughs> like I said before, man. I'm I'm not gonna say that it's outside the realm of possibility. I just. As an artist, the idea that mankind not having enough imagination to create art offended me. I'm like, that's, I'm just like, no, they're just saying that they're drawing what they saw. But that's what I'm getting at. I, do, I draw what's in my imagination. Like, I, a lot of the creatures. But why, a lot of it looks the same. What the aliens stuff? in different countries, yeah. But a lot, a lot of it is is humanoids, which most of the stuff that people are going to base off is what they see. Yeah, that is true. So we see humans, so it's humanoid, and then they build on that. Like again, if you look at most of the monsters I draw, there, there's some roots of like, oh, there's some kind of animal, but none of this stuff belongs. So that's all imagination. What's the coolest thing that's been on ancient aliens that you've seen? Well, there's no pictures of an imaginary guy with a beard. That walks up in the sky. <laughs> There's that. See, we're going to go off topic, so let's, let's bring it in. This is wonderful, though. <laughs> we'll have to have a Patreon discussion about <laughs> ancients and aliens. You, you're, you're starting to get my, my thoughts. Um, gotcha. But... I'm I'm not gonna lie. There's some part. There's some episodes where I'm like, oh come on now, you're just right. it's a stretch. But you know what? There are episodes where I'm like, well, wow, this is this is really interesting. You know, yeah, it's fun stuff. Like, you know, what if? Like me personally, I don't think you there you had enough people or the technology to put those pyramids together like they are precise, perfect. Like it just you can't. The one thing I will give you with that is it is crazy the amount of star mapping that those different structures in Egypt correlate to. That's impressive. Like, whether or not it was alien-influenced or mankind just doing what they do, whatever, however you want to explain it away, it's fucking impressive any way you cut it. I mean, here, I can't remember the person's name who did it or when it happened, but how did they get... The person that drew the map know that Antarctica, Antarctica was there and all this stuff. Right. Like there was, there weren't planes, there weren't right drones. Like how does this stuff happen? How how did you know? And it was it's it was perfect rendition. Like it looks like if you were to draw the map now, right? You know, maybe a little different because obviously. No, there there are of course there's there's a ton of of questions you know about that type of stuff, and and that's why I said you can't fully discredit it. Right. I just said the the parts that. I personally get annoyed at is like mankind don't have imagination. It's like shut the fuck up. <laughs> like because yeah. the, I've there's been too many people like well how do you explain this and it's like imagination like it's just not everything is aliens right <laughs> you know? and you know I'm not like that I don't, you know, no I know that's I, why you and I like, get along with it yeah you know, I'm like oh watch ancient aliens but you know 
I believe that there's a higher power out there, but I don't think that higher power is what most people believe is higher right. power. Well, and, and that's the thing. Like, you know, that's totally valid. You won't offend me. Right now, when you said about building the pyramids, I was like, oh, wait, wouldn't it be cool if, like, the engineers were one ancient aliens and then the Stargate aliens were another one. <laughs> so they just had ancient Egypt. They didn't bother with the rest of the planet and then the Promethean or whatever. And or we could go with the Futurama theory and there's a whole planet of Egyptians that came to <laughs> Earth. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, it's just stuff like that, like, just, like, you just didn't have the technology back then to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could go off for a whole episode about yeah. this, so... But, but, uh, but as far as Act 1 goes, what okay, are your thoughts? Okay, Act 1. Um, strong start. Mm-hmm. I like how it starts. I like when they get to the... Uh, what is it? LV-204? Uh, 224, I think. 224. Or, two, wait. Two, I don't know. Now I've lost my place. <laughs> Las Vegas. Some, <laughs> when they get to the moon. And... They discover the casino. LV-223. 223. You know, then it it goes off the rails when they start taking off the mask. Oh, well, we can breathe in here without even knowing. Mm -hmm. This is where a lot of the questions are popping up. It's like, and then, like you said, that slime. Yeah, what is it? That that he used his fingers to create this. To make the hologram play. Yeah. (laughs) It kind of went off the rails there. But enjoyable. I don't like the engineer's tech. Like, and we'll, we'll get more into that later. Because you're, and, and I get it, it's alien technology, so they want it to be vastly different from Are our own. Are you talking own. about, like, the virtual, like, they hit a button and then it brings it up, like, oh, Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible? Or are you talking about, like, all actual of it. goo? All of it. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> like, the goo, I, I have real, like, I liked it. I'll rewatch this movie and enjoy it again, but, like, I hate, hate, hate and stuff. Like, it's just a gray... It's just molasses, and then yeah. it becomes a dinosaur. Well, see, the, all, like honestly, all of their tech bothers me because it's like, okay, so all of your doors are like sto- like carvings in a stone wall that you run your finger across in certain sequences, and that makes a door open. You know, your control panel is a bunch of rubber-looking eggs that you're like, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop. Well, it's a military <laughs> installation, so it's got to be that complicated. <laughs> but, yeah, so the guy has to play a flute to cue up the computer. Mm. Like, there's just, there's parts of it where it's like, okay, look at the technology we have, and then try to think of the next several logical steps. Why are we going, yeah, and then they're going to play a flute, and that'll make holograms. It's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> I just that kind of shit bugs me. Oh, man. See, that's kind of like what I enjoy. <laughs> I'm not going to refute anybody that's like, that's really dumb. But. It, it, you know why it bothers me is because it's like, how does that correlate to what happens? Like, how does playing the flute make the holograms appear? Like, what is the technological link between those two things? You know, there's something I, I mean, in my imagination, and this is not anything I've, I've never read the first script for Alien Covenant, but yeah, it does kind of tie into that a little bit for me where uh, it was like a kind of a society where like there was just this grand architectural, very cathedral like, very mm-hmm. heavenly. So with that, there was also some art and stuff like that. That I don't I mind the art mixed in with the tech. Yeah, but the like again. I'm just saying, like, okay. There's for the example, we have voice activated tech. 
why would the next logical step be, aha, you have to play this exact sequence on a flute? Like, rather than just giving a voice command. Like, that's the kind of, it just, because I like the grand design of, like, like the Giger-esqueness of it all. Like, I think that looks gorgeous. Maybe, maybe Ridley Scott was playing a lot of Legend of Zelda back then. <laughs> he was playing Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Okay, you know what? I'll take it. Good enough. <laughs> He's like, you know what? Is that going to be a uh, Ocarina of Time movie? I'm sticking no, it in I'm here. Put it in here. It, I wonder if it really was supposed to be some sort of because they do that in the second one where he plays the flute. Yeah, if it was supposed to be some sort of Pied Piper kind of, probably. I mean, and that actually does make sense that it was like a reference to that. Oh, but <laughs> I kind of like the Ocarina of Time thing though. But uh, anywho, we'll hop into Act Two here. <laughs> So we see the group studying the head of the engineer. Uh, they get the space jockey helmet off of it and find that the head is pretty perfectly preserved and uh, there's strange black growths on it. So they zap it with some electrodes and make it begin to twitch. The growths start to pulsate and then quickly the head starts to like bleed black goo. They contain it and it explodes in a spectacular shower of green pieces. That, that scene is like the sum of this movie is that it's like, it's such like a a tease. Like I just like at the end of Close Encounters or at the end of two thousand one, mm-hmm. you get something, even if it's vague, even if it's mysterious, and you don't know. This is just like here's your dinner. <laughs> We're just gonna pull it away. <laughs> Not even if it's mystery meat, you don't know what it is, and mm. you know, you find out. It's yeah. I'm gonna throw it against the wall in front of you. But but back to the the special effects we talked about earlier. It looked awesome. Like, I will give it yeah, that. Yeah. The weird pulsating head where it was like, I, I, I was like, his face was moving all weird and the goo was coming. And then when it just popped, it was like, all right, that looks cool. Yeah. Um, but we cut to David uh, using his little cryopod helmet that he was using to spy on Shaw's dreams with at the beginning. He's talking to someone in stasis. Afterward, he's jumped by Vickers, who wants to know what he said. And David tells her that's confidential. She threatens to kill him. And he tells her that he said, try harder. Gee, I wonder who's in stasis. <laughs> like, at this point, it was telegraphed pretty fucking loudly. I, Definitely Ripley. I, I, <laughs> are you sure he wasn't using Cerebro? That kind of looked like it. You know, just take the little visor off and add a little cord on the top yeah. and you got Cerebro. Um, but now we get this back and forth between Ford and Shaw studying the engineer bits. Um, also, David messing with the container of goo. So we see Shaw and Ford find out that the engineer's DNA matches our own perfectly. David goes to see Holloway and tricks him into drinking some champagne with a droplet of the black goo inside. Uh, a few things happen next here. We see Fifield and Milburn find a, like, a big pile of dead engineers back in the structure. Uh, Yannick tells them that one of the drones has picked up a life signature somewhere in the building, um, and then it disappeared. So, of course, they freak out and go in the opposite direction. Shaw shows Holloway the DNA match, basically like, hey, we found our makers. Um, we also find out here through their conversation, because he discredits it. He's like, well, I guess all you need is a, is a little bit of DNA and know-how to make life. And then she's like, I can't make life. And we find out, you know, she can't get pregnant. And then they have sex. Which, I'm sorry, the whole her not being able to be pregnant thing. Yeah, that's such, a, that's such like a, a gut-wrenching thing. And then, like you said, and right. then there's that scene right after. But it's like, it also feels completely unnecessary to the plot. Like, it's almost like they just wanted to make her suddenly sympathetic. Yeah. Like, you know, just, 
it did like because what what basis does it have like when we find out what happens to her later it's not like we were all like oh my god i thought she couldn't get pregnant no it's a fucking alien of course <laughs> like it's it just i don't know that it, it bugs me when they do that with a character like and now we want you to feel sad so here is this bad thing that happened to them mm-hmm. it's like uh, it just irks me but yeah then they fuck and it's like all right <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go back a little bit before all that. I like what David said. He said big things have small beginnings. Yeah, when he's um, first looking at the goo, and yeah. it's like, and now is he talking about life or like life in our sense, or is he talking like the Big Bang? I think he just again across the board because I think he's talking about like you know whatever he's about to try. It's a very small little like pustule that he uses, and it's going to have yeah. much bigger effects. I think you've. Yeah, like, I get what they, I think they were trying to do. Again, this is just, like, primordial ooze. Right. That's how the aliens came about. That's how we came about. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I don't know, I, I, I do like that quote, though. Like, no, it was cool. Did you also notice when we see the close-up of his finger, like, in, there's a little black dot on mm-hmm. there, in the, like, close-up on his actual skin, you see Wayland imprinted on his fingertip? Yeah. I was like, that's kind of cool. He's got the little, like, logo in his fingerprint. He's trademarked. Yeah. I was like, that's kind of neat. It was just, like, one of those attention to detail moments that they didn't have to put in there, and it, it worked well. But, um, so yeah, Sean Holloway get down to the hibbity-dibbity, which, of course, will be important later. Also, Yannick convinces Vickers to get down to the hibbity-dibbity, but that's not important. <laughs> that's just, she's, uh... He asked her if she- She's a robot. Yeah, because she's being cold to him, and he asked her if she's a robot. And she said, meet me in the room in ten minutes. Yeah, and then he sings that whole, like, was it, if you can't love, or if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Mm-hmm. And he plays his little accordion. They cut away because he was late, and he was still playing the accordion. <laughs> yep. But back in the alien structure, we see Fifield and Milburn in the chamber where the with the black ooze pods. Uh, the ooze has now leaked everywhere, and they are confronted with some strange worm-like aliens. Perhaps the worms mutated by the uh, by the ooze. Which I guess I was looking at the credits. They're called hammerpeds, which I was like, yeah. "All right, oh, that's the word." <laughs> I was like, "They don't look like a centipede in any way, shape, yeah, or form." They look like sex organs. Yeah, <laughs> but um, now, all right, this whole thing bothers the shit out of me. Milburn is a biologist. He's, he's encountering a new life form. It's clearly posturing in a defensive way. And he's like, Gucci, Gucci, Goo! And just tries to touch it. Yeah, why do people talk to animals like they're humans? But why would you even try? Like, first of all, it, it rears back and its, it's little fins frill out like yeah. a cobra ready to yeah, strike. I'm supposed to do that to somebody's dog. Just go right there. Get right. Okay, gotcha. And this is this is a scientist <laughs> who, who studies this shit. And he's just like, ooh, alien poke. I feel, I feel like, yeah, that was the scene I heard well, most people complain about. And I'm like, yeah, but I think it was just like a steady build up to that scene because people, everyone on this ship seems to hate each other. Yeah. Um... Everyone seems to hate their mission or what they're doing, it seems. Except for Shaw, but she's questioning things. And except for David, who seems to be... Ulterior motives. But even those, like, what, what are those? Like, I, I can't figure out whatever I think doing with David, he, With David, there's a lot of jealousy where it's like... 
he he can't be jealous. He can't be afraid. He can't be any of this. But it shows almost like something's going wrong. Kind of like with Ash. Like, he's starting... His programming, for whatever reason, is starting to change where he almost seems jealous of mankind. But Ash had orders, and I feel like David just suddenly wasn't going to listen to anybody. Ash did have orders, but remember, he malfunctions. He goes, he goes further than he was supposed to. Uh-huh. He was supposed to stop the crew. He tried to kill the crew. Oh, I thought that was the same thing. No, no. He, was, he actually starts malfunctioning. Because they actually they do address that. I think it's in the director's cut where they, uh-huh. they address that he malfunctioned. Um, and then they address it again on Aliens where they were like, oh, that model was always twitchy. You know, so it's like... With, but with this, I feel like David... And we see more in Covenant. I feel like he wanted to be able to create life. Like, that was the thing he was jealous of. Is like, he was created, but he can't create. Mm-hmm. So he wants to be able to create life. That's kind of the vibe I was getting, at least. I could be totally off the mark, but... It's, it's just as soupy as that. Who was saying? Well, here's my thing. Milburn deserved to get his arm broken, then. Well, yeah, because... What happens next? So he... <laughs> he pokes the damn thing, and it bites him. And he's like, oh, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. And then he tries to pull his arm away. It wraps around him. He's like, okay, help. And Fifield tries to go get it off him, and it starts wriggling tighter and tighter... And then Fifield goes to cut it off, and it sprays the alien blood all over his mask, which melts down onto his face, killing Fifield. And then the hammerpede's end regrows, and it slithers, like, into Milburn's suit and down his throat. So, yum, yum. (laughs) Fifield becomes Skeletor. Pretty much. Um, That was a cool design, too. Yeah. That should have been added a little bit more. I, well, because I like the, the fact that, like, his, the helmet melted in yeah. on his face. Yeah. It just, oh, it was creepy looking. But the next day we see Holloway is clearly infected with the goo. Uh, his eyes are all red and have little worms wriggling about in them. And I'm sorry, that fucking grossed me out. Like, when you yes. do the close-up, I was like, ah, come on! I see a lot of Niagara Falls in this movie. <laughs> you see a lot of eye worms downtown? In people's eyes? Uh, <laughs> well, I'll give you the red eye thing, yeah. I see that a lot at work, too. <laughs> but, um, so Rescue Party heads out to find Milburn and Fifield. Also important here, Yannick mentions the probe picking up the signs of life and how he thinks it was a glitch. David offers to go and fix the probe, because, you know, clearly he's not up to anything. <laughs> so David goes off to search for the probe, and Vickers makes him sneakily upload his feed to her private quarters. So he finds the probe outside a sealed door and opens it. Inside we see hundreds of the, well, thousands really, of the goo containers. Uh, He opens another chamber which leads to the control room with cryopods and then David cuts off the feed to Vickers. You son of a bitch. The rescue team finds dead Milburn and the worm (laughs) jumps out of his face and slithers away. That's what she says, isn't it? Yeah, she does. She's like, you son of a bitch, you cut me off. You son of a bitch. (laughs) Did you, ever, just, did you watch How I Met Your Father? No. Or How I Met Your Mother, I mean? No, I've never seen it. Oh, Alison Hannigan, her character's always saying that. Oh. You <laughs> son of a bitch. You said that like a cranky old man being like, You son of a... <laughs> son of a bitch, get off my lawn. Turn my cameras back on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love when the, when the worm jumps out of Milburn's face, because they all just jump back, they're like, nope, and they leave. <laughs> Oh, they don't try to poke it and pet it? Yeah, they're like, no, I ain't... Only the biologist was going to do that. Yeah. But uh, Holloway collapses here, looking more and more sick, and the team quickly start to make their way back to the ship. 
Shaw calls it in, telling the crew on board that they need a med team ready for Holloway. Vickers shuts it down. She ain't having any of that shit. Meanwhile, David figures out the uh, figures out the engineer tech because of plot reasons, and gets a holographic playback of the engineers mapping out a course to Earth and then hunkering down for cryo sleep. And this is this is where the engineer tech really annoyed me because like he sits in the chair, you know, they, we see the little flute get played and then the weird rubber eggs get pulled and poked, and then we see the big was it an, an Ori the uh, the planetary lineup, mm-hmm. and it zooms in on Earth and then we see like that's where they're going. So cool. It looked beautiful. <laughs> like yeah. it did look it beautiful. Looked good, no. yeah. Um but it just didn't make sense. Right. So David realizes that one of the engineers is very much still alive and in stasis. So Holloway is getting worse and worse as they head back. Vickers gets a flamethrower and refuses to allow Holloway to board. Holloway knows that he's done for and forces Vickers to burn him alive. So bye bye, Holloway. Now this whole scene makes no fucking sense to me. Because the airlock was already closed. So why the fuck did Vickers open it up and like, no, you can't come board my ship. Did somebody else open it? No, she did. She goes, she grabs the flamethrower and she goes, okay, open it. Like, she had had to express her authority. Maybe she wanted to save face with everybody else. But my whole thing is like, okay, let's look, look again, space truckers. Let's look at Alien. Let's look at how this exact scene was done in Alien. Ripley was second in command. She made the call, but then everybody overruled her and... And, and she expressed repeatedly, this is a mistake, this is against protocol. Right. Like, that felt like people actually working together. This felt like, I don't like you, get off my ship. Eh. Like, it was just, uh, it just did not work. That is really, that's what I mean. Like, I, I just feel like it's, it's like when you're thinking about something, when you're thinking about, like, your favorite scene at a movie or how things are just done in movies with tension and stuff, you're thinking about it, but then when you actually, like, watch it and maybe see how it's constructed by, like, like trying to think of, like, a, a good action, like, Steven Spielberg or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks easy. Right. But what he's doing, and, like, being, like, being a master of that sort of, like, formalist filmmaking is really hard to do. It is. And this is where it's, like... Everything's just cut together. I know editing has a big part of it too, but it's just—it's all happening like you said before. A couple of things are happening all at once. Yeah, and they're stumbling into each other. Well, I think We're honestly, not having any impact really. I feel like this this entire scene I would have liked better if Vickers went out. Like she refused to allow the airlock to be open. If she went out with the flamethrower and was like, you know, everybody else, get behind me, Holloway, you're not coming aboard. Like, I would have preferred that. But the fact that she was like, don't open that airlock, don't open that airlock. Got the flamethrower. Okay, open that airlock. You can't come aboard. Like, it's like, well, why would you open it then? Just leave it fucking closed. Like, you know, it just, there was little moments like that, especially when we've already gotten an example in the same series of it done much better. Mm-hmm. You know? But, eh, it happens. So, we cut to David examining Shaw. Uh, we find out that not only is she pregnant, which she can't be because, you know, that whole thing, uh, but that, that she's been three months pregnant even though she only had sex ten hours ago. And then he goes, well, it's not a traditional fetus. Uh-oh. Hmm. So Shaw understandably wants it out of her, but David wants to put her in cryostasis, claiming they don't have the staff for such a procedure. It's so, it, this is a, <laughs> this part, this it, part gets me. It, is that scene, okay, it leads to this, like, Great, gooey, like probably the 
big scene stealer of the movie for me. Absolutely. But the steps to get there yes. are so like <laughs> Here's my thing. There's women on the ship, so how is the machine made just for men? I was making well, gestures, by the way. Keep in mind, uh, well, because we're, so, we're, we're going to get to that in a sec, but keep in mind that MedPod was in Vickers' private quarters, and we, we eventually find out who else is there. Oh, that's true. So, and I'm pretty sure, because they said that only 12 of those things were made, they were super expensive. I'm pretty sure it was calibrated for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, that was the thing they pointed he out. He who shall not be named. Him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's that was what they were getting at because we'll we'll find that out in a second, but so you know she drugs him or he drugs her and um you know then he admits creepily how he watched her dreams and like because he's he asked her if she lost her faith you know and it's like it's it's kind of funny the same thing happened to your father and like about how he died of Ebola and this that, and then how Holloway was infected with something and died and it just was weird exactly how does that inform him and. I'm never mind. <laughs> I'm a creepy android doing Did David watch things. Everybody else's dreams. That's why he just hated himself because everybody on the show hates himself. It could very well be because, like, you think about it, like he was an android for three years, living by himself, watching other people's dreams. Uh, yeah, it, it might have made him go crazy. There should have been a movie based on that. Yeah, I'd watch it. <laughs> but we see Ford and Chance getting ready to put Shaw in stasis. She suddenly yeah, jumps really. up and. Really, sorry, that oh. was a, I didn't catch that at first. That's a really, really good idea. <laughs> right? <laughs> An android in space going slowly crazy in its solitude. And, 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 and going through everyone's dreams. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I have a note at the end of the movie that's uh, similar to that. Um, but we see, we see Ford and Chance getting ready to, or, to put Shaw in stasis. She jumps up, whoops the shit out of him, and runs to Chekhov's med pod, which is unfortunately calibrated only for male patients. So she has to program it to remove a foreign body from her abdomen. Now, we all anyone who's seen this movie knows this is the scene. This is the most memorable scene in the movie. It is top-notch body horror. It's fucking gross. It's so like you squirm in your seat horrific and it's just done so fucking well. So she gets in that med pod, you know, she's like yelling get it out as it's like stretching her abdomen out. And then the little robotic arms come down. They spray that anesthetic on her. And then they just slit her belly open with a laser. And it's like, ah, oh, fuck. And the, the worst part is when the clamps, like, the reach staples. in. No, oh, when they spread the wound. I was like, oh, fuck you. But then it pulls out Cthulhu, baby. And she rips the umbilical cord with her bare hands. I'm like, oh, the whole scene I was squirming. I was like, this is so freaky. But... They then, the thing staples her back up, so she's trapped in the med pod with this fucking Cthulhu baby, like, railing its tentacles all over the place as she's being stapled up. There's, like, blood splatter and everything. It's just, it's horrific. So, she, you know, perform, had the operation performed on herself, climbs out of the med pod, traps the alien inside, and stumbles out. Meanwhile, Fifield's monitor shows up on the camera right outside the ship, so the men go to investigate and find Monster Fifield, who attacks and kills several crew members. Well, that's what they get for opening it. Right. Why do you keep opening the damn ship? <laughs> keep it closed. Eventually, they burn him with flamethrowers and run him over with one of the rovers, <laughs> which was pretty funny. So Shaw staggers about the ship, drugged up and in shock from the whole alien baby ordeal, until she makes her way to uh, um, 
Vicar's private quarters, where she finds the cryopod that we saw David talking to earlier, and surprise, surprise, Wayland is very much it's alive. old man Wayland. Uh, this is where we find out that he only has a few days left to live, and he really wanted to meet his makers, so he was left in stasis until he could be sure that he could meet him. Shaw tries to tell him that they're all dead, and this is where David confirms that one of the engineers is still alive, and they're on their way to see him now. Wayland hopes that the engineers can save him from death and give him the answers to life. Mm-hmm. Shaw tries to warn him that uh, not to go, that it's all very wrong, but Wayland can't be swayed. So that's kind of the end of Act 2. What do you guys think? Pretty cool. I mean, you got the, you know, you got the one scene there that we just talked about that was... The med pod? Yeah, that's probably the highlight of the movie. Oh, fuck yeah, I love that. Um, I mean, unless you don't like body horror. I mean, who likes body horror? But it's I mean, who, yes, it's a very well effective done form of horror. It's really effective, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot more questions with the second act and more confusion. What do you guys think of the Fightfield zombie? Like, I thought he looked cool. I thought he looked cool. Yeah, I really liked I, that. I wouldn't have opened the door, but he looked cool. I think it would have been cool, honestly, if we had more of those attacking the ship. Like, if we had more crew members get killed like that and come back. Yeah, it was just, yeah, like, it was just one thing, on, like, stacked on top of another. But not like in a, like you were saying, like in a Night of the Living Dead attack the houseway. Yeah. It was just ding, 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 ding. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did, it was... You, uh, you expecting talking about Wayland? It's interesting. So I, I heard something, and I don't know where they said they came back, where they were doing the timetables of archaeological finds, mm-hmm. and they said the last time they were there, I think somebody clocked was when Jesus was alive. Yeah, and I've read this theory that the reason that they wanted to kill us was because we killed Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, that's why I don't like Ridley Scott, but we'll get into that in a second. I think that's, like, <laughs> kind of funny. But, like, and also at the same time, it's interesting that, like, it just goes up against the brick wall of the movie. Like, everybody wants something out of these engineers like, right away. Yeah. I don't know what Holloway wanted, but, or, Holloway, what was the, that was the scientist show I was... Like her boyfriend. Right? Yeah, that Holloway. was the baby yeah. daddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's just cruel to everything? But like, what does Wayland want from the engineer other than to extend his life? Like, everybody wants something. Like, immediately wants, they're going to be an alien, and the alien's going to be like, here, like, like he wants he wanted to meet his maker. Yeah. Well, he even says he wants to them to extend you know, his life, keep him from dying. Yeah, it's like everybody wants like a miracle, which is. Right, I but think we all the know irony or clever irony, but then it's also like uh, this but, movie is also kind of hitting you in the face for that. But yeah. we also know the the expression "meet your maker" means you're Death. not going to make it. Yeah, you meet your maker, and that's it. Well, no, you you do bring so, up a really good point though, because this is much like with religion. You, everybody, like okay, the the common man, like the common person, when do they ask something from God? It's when they're... Most desperate. Exactly. When you're down on your luck, you're most desperate, and everybody always wants something from them. It feels like Holloway wanted just... Answers. Yeah, I guess. 
but but that's but no, no that's the thing like it's funny because like in this the aliens are being portrayed as you know as gods because they're the creators of mankind so their creation want more from them and again it's kind of juxtaposed with religion it's like okay well if god created us and mankind is always like please god give me this please god let me win the lottery let me get this job i really want you know and it's like it kind of makes sense in a weird way, the way they, they play it out. Yeah, I guess it just it just seems so confusing to me that I'm like, if... if the, I, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. But <laughs> it's just weird that the aliens, like, want to kill us for killing a Christ-like figure. Or, or supposedly. Yes. Well, it's all conjecture. But the movie is hinting at so many things that I kind of tend to agree with that when I hear it. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe not, but, like, yeah. Well, I was going to save this for the trivia, but we'll, we'll get right into it here for a second. This was actually something that they convinced Ridley Scott not to put in the movie because he was going to have Space Jesus. Like, it was going to be, like, in the flashback scene where we see, like, the creation, there were going to be other moments of, like, early mankind showing interactions with the engineers. And one of them was going to be a engineer who had gathered a following and then they were going to show him crucified. And I'm like, so basically space Jesus. Like that's what, like, dude, you don't know what makes your movies good. <laughs> like I just, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of odd man out when it comes to hate Ridley Scott, but I really don't like the guy. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was supposed to be in the film. Oh man. <laughs> Imagine if we got Space Jesus. I would have, I probably would have liked it to be honest. I would have liked to be able to say Space Jesus. Like, I think that, but the, you, you think, this is funny, because I read a thing where the Vatican was really pissed about this movie, because they said that it um, trivialized, you know, the the question of, of um, you know, mankind's creation. I weirdly, I'm not Catholic, but I would agree with that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do agree <laughs> with that as well. But, like, they were pissed about the movie, can you imagine how pissed they would be if it contained Space Jesus? <laughs> but, and again, that actually would be kind of a funny tale of Hollywood. The Vatican versus Ridley Scott. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I don't know. Space Jesus is fun to say. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, will, I will say this. I can't stand Vickers at this point in the movie. I think she's terrible... I love the character of Yannick. I wish there was more of him. Um, I really love the Medpod scene, as discussed. I think the the Fifield zombie was awesome. Yeah. Um, there is again, there's not any one thing that I really dislike about any of the movie, other than the stupid like decisions these quote unquote intelligent people make, and the way it doesn't fit well with the rest of the franchise. That's that's really my big beef, is yeah. like, it doesn't fit in well. But, so, Act 3, uh, we see Shaw suiting up to go, out with the, uh, to go out with the crew to see the surviving engineer. Yannick comes in, and we get an exposition dump. He tells her that this place isn't the engineer's home. It's a military installation where they built weapons of mass destruction. And that's what's in the jars, a weapon. Uh, and it turned on them. He also tells her that nothing from the structure is coming home with them. He'll do whatever it takes, and she tells him, make sure that you do. So how Yannick figured it all out, that this is a military installation and that the goo is a weapon of mass destruction? Hey, movie's got a movie, I guess. But Mm -hmm. it just felt weird that he was the exposition dump there. Yeah. 
So we find out that not only is uh, Vickers, Vickers Waylon's daughter, but she's wanting for him to die, which is pretty fucked up. Because she's like, a king has his reign and then he dies. That's the natural order. It's like, okay. <laughs> so the group heads out to meet the engineer and a few things happen. Once again, we get the helmet removal scene. Um, Shaw complains, like, don't take off your helmets. We don't know what killed Holloway. There could be something in the air. And then David's like, no, it's not anything that was in the air. And then she realizes it's something that David did. Shaw sees uh, thousands of vases containing the goo and sends images back to Yannick. Yannick looks at the 3D map and realizes they're on a ship. It's not just like some big pyramid structure. They're actually on a ship that's underneath it. And the ship is carrying a shitload of biological weapons. David brings them to the bridge, powers things up. He explains that he's learned, learned the broad strokes of what happened, citing that the engineers were getting ready to head to Earth before things went bad. Shaw asks why, and he tells her, sometimes in order to create, one must first destroy. So David realizes that they were coming to kill mankind, and he thinks it's pretty damn neat. Because <laughs> of David reasons. So they wake up the engineer who has a really bad case of the Mondays. He, uh, David tries to talk to him. The engineer picks him up by his face, rips his head off, and pummels Wayland in the head with it. Mm-hmm. Which, I'm sorry, I thought that was hilarious. I'm like, you got hit with a robot head. That's fucking funny. Well, he got to meet his maker. He did. And then he kills Ford and the guard that they brought with him by just, like, kind of karate chopping them each in the chest and sending them flying. Meanwhile, Shaw gets the fuck out of there. She's like, whoop, 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 just runs down the hall. So Wayland comments that there's nothing, and David tells him, I know, have a good journey, Mr. Wayland, and Wayland dies. <laughs> Once he's dead, Vickers orders that they head home. Meanwhile, the engineer gets to work on his mission and bringing the cargo to Earth and starts the ship up. Shaw just barely makes her way out of the installation and starts heading back to the Prometheus. She calls to Yannick and tells him that they can't, that they can't let the ship leave. Basically, it's headed to Earth to kill mankind. Vickers tries to tell Yannick to ignore her and head home anyway. Yannick decides to believe Shaw, and although the ship has no weapons... He plans to use the Prometheus itself as a bullet and ram it into the engineer's ship. Vickers tries to order him to stop, but he tells her that uh, he's ejecting her life support module, which buys her two years of life. She can either go or stay with him. So she, shoot, she, uh, she suits up and gets the hell off the ship. Yannick tells Chance and Ravel to leave with Vickers, but they decide to stay with him on this suicide mission. I love it because uh, Ravel has the line, he's like, with all due respect, Captain, you're a shit pilot and you'll need all the help we can get, or you can get. So they kind of just, you know, choose and, to stay. And he's a sorcerer supreme, so he can teleport. And yeah, and he just do a little, <laughs> little ring thing and open up a portal and get the fuck out. But Vickers ejects to the surface with Shaw while Yannick, Chance, and Ravel fly straight into the engineer's ship, killing themselves and crashing the alien ship to the surface, where it rolls like a giant wheel toward Vickers and Shaw. Of course. Now, I remember in the theater, both of us being like, why is she running to the side? Because it's just rolling at her and Vickers is running in a straight line. It's like, dude, just run left. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, why are you running? So. She, she tripped and fell. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she trips and falls. And, and then, then she gets... happens to roll out of the way just in time. No, no, that was Shaw. Shaw got out of the way. Oh, yeah, Shaw. Vickers just looks up and goes, meh. Well, Shaw gets... tripped and fell first. True. And then Vickers. But. But she's not dead. 
Because she's an android. Well, maybe that's what Prometheus 3 is all about. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah Vickers is squished. Uh, Shaw almost gets squished, but is saved by a rock formation. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't think that rock would have held up that whole fucking ship. (laughs) But she finds herself with two minutes of oxygen left and runs to Vickers' lifeboat, where she finds her alien baby is still very much alive and has grown quite a lot after being trapped in the med pod room. Hmm. David calls to her on the comm and tells her that the engineer is coming for her. The engineer busts in and attacks her. She opens the med pod room. The weird Cthulhu spawn latches onto him and shoves its baby maker down his throat. So it's like a proto face hugger. Um, So she she gets herself... uh, She she grabs a couple of oxygen tanks and, like, escapes out into the surface. David calls out to her on the comm. He explains to her that there are other alien ships and that he can operate them, but he needs her help. David tells her that he's sure he can, he can use the ship to take them home. She tells him she doesn't want to go home. She wants to go to their planet. He asks why. She says, they made us, and then they tried to kill us. I want to know why. So we see her gather up his head and his body, gets off the ship. They get in one of those little ATVs and start driving to the next installation. Uh, during this, we get a final report from Shaw. It says, the final report of Vethius, uh, Vessel Prometheus The ship and her entire crew are gone. If you're receiving this transmission, make no attempt to come to its point of origin. There is only death here now, and I'm leaving it behind. It's New Year's Day, the year of our Lord, 2094. My name is Elizabeth Shaw, last survivor of the Prometheus, and I am still searching. While this is happening, we see the ship raise up in the background and take off. Now, I have questions here. David was fucking broken. Like, he was a head and a broken body. How the fuck did he pilot that ship that quick? Like, did she put him back together in, like, a couple of minutes? No, she, she plugged his head in. She plugged his head into the station. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, I thought so. Is that what shows on, on Covenant? Because it's been a long time since I've seen Covenant. Uh, well, that Covenant scene with him and her, I remember there was a flashback, but I thought there was more. They released something online. Like, they didn't even put it in the movie with her and him. Oh, where they just, like, plugged his head in? Yeah, but I thought it showed it in this movie or something. No, it doesn't. Because it's... I don't know where I've seen it, but I'm... It probably is, like, an online thing, yeah. Because they did a lot of viral marketing with this movie, like, before and after with, like, YouTube shorts and stuff. I mean, that's how it would be done in any other sci-fi movie. True. I didn't even think of that, though. I was just thinking because he's got his body back in the next movie. (laughs) But, so, now we cut to the corpse of the engineer in the lifeboat. His body starts shaking... A proto-xenomorph called a deacon rips out and then roars, and it's the exact same roar that we heard at the start of the hologram. The church deacon. Mm-hmm. So now we get credits. The end. Now, the thing with the deacon, does that mean that at some point during their first mission 2,000 years prior that someone fucked around and found out about that damn deacon, and that's what those guys are running from? Because we hear the roar, and then we see the engineers running down the hall toward the control room. So, like, it seems like something sabotaged them, and it was a deacon. I feel like, yeah, they, they had some sort of alien because it showed the bodies with their, like... Their chest their ripped chest. out. Mm-hmm. But then there's the question of, okay, they bring, a, they, they bring it up in um, Alien Covenant about how the changes were unique because of Shaw's reproductive system, mm-hmm. which they also mentioned how, you know, she can't have babies in this one, so th- there's a lot of weird hand wavy biology there but alien so if that's the case like 
was the Deacon different with the engineers? Because the Cthulhu baby came out of Shaw. Yeah. So how did it happen 2,000 years in the past? Well, it's the same thing, I think. I'm just so confused. I just don't think it's... <laughs> what think android they... did it have sex with 2,000 years ago? <laughs> right. I think you're... I mean, this is... Yeah. In my head, what I'm thinking is that the engineers got killed by it, and it looks like they were getting piled up because they were exploding. Mm-hmm. And at some point, that alien... Or whatever it was that killed him. And I don't know if it was an alien or if it was just a centipede. Right. And so the guy sealed himself in the pod, but it didn't pull like an Alien 3 where it got in the pod with him and eventually probably died off from something. Right. It's just, well, I was just confused because I was under the impression that the, the Deacon and the Trilobite, whatever they, because they called the giant proto-facehugger a Trilobite, it, that those were unique to Shaw's reproductive system. And if that was the case, and humans weren't on that planet 2,000 years in the past when that recording was from, then how did we hear the deacon roar? Like, how were they running from a deacon when that was supposed to be unique to a human reproductive system? I don't know if the roar was or just the way it looked. Because the engineers are human. Because in the second one, you know, they're inhaling it from dandelions, and it comes out and it's white. Yeah. Do you know the, the yeah the it's neomorph. Like a gremlin and yeah, thing. which again that, that's another thing I've always bitched about with with Ridley because he's like, you know, yeah, there was chest bursters in the first one. We're gonna have back bursters in this one. It's like, no, I hate it. They could have gone. I think like they could have gone really far with that. I think like if if it was some sort of different type of alien, but mm-hmm. it was trying to figure out how to get out of your body. You could have done a ton of gross. I'll be yeah, honest. That was gross. But. I loved the Neomorph. I thought the Neomorph looked badass. I, I loved the design for that. I hated the fact that they were like, and now Xenomorph. Da, 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 da. Like, it was just like, do the Neomorph. It looked cool. But, I don't know. I really like the look of the Deacon. I, I know a lot of people hated it. I thought it looked cool. Why is it called the Deacon? That's just what they dubbed it in the making. of church deacons. Probably, you know. I mean, because again, there's all the religious connotations throughout the movie. But, I mean, why is the one thing called a hammer bead, you know? (laughs) um, But I feel like Shaw surviving this, only to end up the way she does in Covenant, was a mistake. What I personally would have loved to see is the juxtaposition of David starting the movie alone and ending the movie alone. I think that that would have been cool. Even if it was something as simple as, like, maybe his head wasn't fully off his body. Like, maybe there was still some cords attached. And we see him, like, slowly, like, trying to put himself back together at the end, but being completely alone. Something something happened. I remember um, there's a storyboard guy and concept artist I found online, uh, Carlos Hout, Hout. I'm probably mispronouncing his last name. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I think it was him. Actually, I know he had worked on one of these, but he had posted something where he said that she was going to be in the original sequel, like, yeah. the whole way through, start to finish. Yep. And I'm really curious, like... What did, that would have been. Didn't they have a What's falling out? Didn't... I thought they had a falling out. There was some reason why she... Why they changed her role in the second movie. I forget what it was. I know the second movie had a shit ton of edits and reshoots. Yeah. Um... 
which probably explains why it doesn't work as well for me. Because um, usually anytime a movie has a ton of reshoots trying to save it, it's like, uh, it doesn't work right. But I don't know. I just like the idea of, and going back to what you said about the android being alone in space kind of thing going mad, I think it also would have explained his character a lot better in the second movie if, like, you know, he was alone. You know, he salvaged the bodies, you know, and used, like, dissected them and used the reproductive system with the black goo and, like, with creating alien life like we see in the second movie. Like, if all of that was David, it's kind of funny because it would be like, okay, so the engineers make mankind, mankind makes David. David takes the black goo and mankind's bodies and creates this new creature which he uses to kill the engineers. You know, and it's like... I thought that would have been cool, but that's not the route they went. <laughs> so what are your guys' final thoughts on this? It was good. I mean, it's not, it's not as good as I remember it being, but I, I, I still like watching it every now and then, and mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I'll probably watch it again a few times. Um, I'll even sit down and probably watch Alien Covenant. Just to, I will, because I, I need to see it again. Yeah. Because I only saw it the one time, and I thought it was so bad that I didn't even want to give it a rewatch. So. Same. <laughs> but I'm gonna, probably, maybe this weekend, I'll give it a rewatch. Yeah. What about you, Eric? You kind of summed it up there. Like, I was going to say something like, yeah, oh, yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I I felt like I was probably uh, questioning a lot more here, and I still am questioning it, but, like, I'll always watch it. I, I like it for what it tries to do. Mm-hmm. No, I actually agree with both of you. I know I spent a lot of time bitching about this movie. Or what I think it tries to do. Right. I I mean, my main beef, like I said multiple times, is just how it fits together. As a film on its own, I think it's well done. I love the effects. I love the acting. I love the score. There's a lot of really good things here. As a film, it's entertaining. As part of a bigger franchise, it just falls on its face for me. I just, it just doesn't work. Um, but I will watch it again. I own it. I've watched it multiple times. You know, it's the first time I really watched it critically. But I, I am curious. It's coming to TV. Oh, yeah. I forgot they're, they're doing a TV a show. show. And I'm wondering, like, if they're going to go down this same kind of path, is, it, is that going to be better for TV? Considering the caliber of television we've got in the last five years, honestly, I think it might be better for yeah, TV. I'll put it this. It depends on what source... It's on. True, true, but so, I mean... Is Disney on it? Oh, yeah, Disney on it. Disney. So it'll be on Hulu. Yeah. So it might actually be good. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, I, I'm just thinking about all the television shows that I love that, you know, that are out right now and have been out for the last couple of years. Now, if this had happened in, say, 2015, I would have been like, that's a mistake. Don't put it... But... I'm fucking excited for it. I actually still want them to come back to the Hellraiser TV show they were talking about. I'm like, revisit that. Come on. Let's mm. let's get different people opening the box. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know if I can, I don't, I don't know. I'm nervous about an alien TV show, so that's why I was wondering. I'm like, I could see, um, like, if they have stuff where if every episode was ended in complete shutting open a door that was never open to begin with or closing it or whatever, that would work. Can it be in... Can it be any worse than three, four, and Covenant? See, I, I like three. I like three a lot. I like three a lot. Well, I like the extended producers. Yeah, I don't know. I, it leaves a lot to be desired. I like see, one. see now, and this is this is actually a good place to bring this up with the actual Alien franchise. 
I've said this before on the show, much like George Romero's movies, when I'm watching that particular movie, I'm like, I like this one the best. You know, for the first three Alien movies, I kind of have that feeling with. Because Alien 1 is a haunted house in space. Aliens is a fucking all-out action movie romp. Alien 3 is a fucking prison drama. <laughs> like, it's, it's so good. Alien Resurrection, I love it for what it is. I really do. But it's very rooted in the 90s. Like, it's it's very much a 90s movie. And, um, and again, I still love it. I have a blast watching it every time. The CG is unfortunate because it did not age well. But the cast is fantastic. The look of that film is fun. It's got this high energy that is just... It's a fun ride. There were like a lot more slime and water in that one. Yeah, there's a whole underwater sequence. And it's... It's a really fun movie, but it's not impactful in the same way that the first three Alien movies are. Um, I mean, there's a ton of trivia for this. Like, I'm not going to go into all of it, but a couple of things that I found interesting that I just, I just never knew, that the androids' names in the Aliens film follow an alphabetical pattern. I didn't know this. So in Alien, it's Ash. In Aliens, oh, yeah. in Alien 3, it's Bishop. In Alien Resurrection, it's Call. And in this film, it's David. So I thought that was kind of funny. I'm like, that's interesting. Um, and then Ian White, the guy who played the last engineer, actually plays um, the uh, one of the Predators in Alien... Or, well, plays the Predator in Alien vs. Predator Requiem. So he's actually been involved in the Alien projects before. Who was it? Uh, guy, he's Ian White is his name. Oh, Ian White. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a ton of, you know, freaking... Uh, Trivia on this, if you want to look up on IMDb, there's like literally pages. But we, we mentioned this a little bit at the top. So before we get out of here, I want, to, I want to bring up the timeline for the franchise. So we have Prometheus, 2093. Um, Alien Covenant, 2104. Alien, 2122. Now, Ridley Scott has said there are two more prequel films before Alien. So he has... From 2104 to 2122 to fit two more films and bridge the gap between the Neomorph and Proto-Xenomorph to the Xenomorphs found in the engineer ship in Alien. Doesn't make sense to me. Why why doesn't that make sense? Because that's a lot of evolutionary changes. But at this point, he already has an alien, an alien covenant. It's not quite a full-on Xenomorph, though. It's Basically, it is. I mean, I know it's a CGI one or whatever, but... But it's even, like, the, the, the whole, like, the egg, the face hugger, it's all, like, slightly different. It's, it feels like it's, it's like, the building blocks, you know? But then to mass-produce them enough <laughs> to have them as weapons from the engineers? That, I mean... That's the other part that makes me curious, is how did the engineers get their hands on it? Because David goes and kills a bunch of the engineers in Covenant. So, like, how did they find him? So, I'm guessing that that ship is another... If it's not the same one he was on, it's another one. The one that's on LV-426. Well, it has to be because it shows a, a dead space jockey. Well, then there's got to be more. Yeah. So, I'm just... I'm confused in how it fits together. And I hope they actually do come back to it. Because the way it looks right now, they might not. <laughs> I don't think they will. I think, yeah. I think they... Uh, it wasn't as big as a hit as people thought. Either one. Yeah. But then we have uh, Aliens takes place in 2179, so not super long after Alien. Um, Alien 3, also in 2179. Um, then Alien Resurrection is in 2381. 
And now the alternate timeline, we have Predator 2, which takes place in 1997, where we see xenomorph skulls. Um, and then AVP 1 and 2 take place in 2004, where we see that the Predators were using a queen alien and the aliens in a pyramid on ancient Earth. So it was hunting ground. I remember when I saw that movie, and my buddy, I remember he really loved it, and I loathe that whole setup. And now I've kind of come to, like, love AVP, because it's mm-hmm. just, like, it has, <laughs> it does the it does the philosophizing better than Prometheus in some aspects. <laughs> I agree. Because it's, like, a kid with action figures, and somebody is like, you have to set it on Earth, and he's like, okay, well, yeah, of course they'd be under the Arctic, right? But they'd be pyramids. But then, you know, it was the predators that were breeding aliens, and then it was a bit of a... It does that better than Prometheus, which is like, well, actually, you know, this and that. And... You know, one of the things that has always bugged me about this but I concept... I like Prometheus better than AVP. It, this concept bugs me more um, than the AVP idea, because I... I like the concept that the xenomorphs are just a race of creatures. Like, they're like, they're like intergalactic locusts. Mm-hmm. And that the engineers saw potential in that, just like the predators saw potential in that. The predators were like, hey, let's grab a queen. Let's force it to breed. We're going to use our subjects who worship us to, like, create the aliens. And then we're going to train in this, like, training ground fighting this, you know, perfect killing machine. And then the engineers, I like the idea of them having a cargo hold full of the eggs being like, yeah, this is a fucking weapon. Like, we have, we're breeding these creatures as a weapon because they're already such a strong killing force. The idea that an android bred them from, you know, basically black Ninja Turtle ooze, um, it just doesn't work for me. Like, it doesn't work as good as the other way. And so... I think everybody listening, if they haven't already, should read the comic book Aliens versus Predator versus Prometheus. Oh, I haven't read that. Oh, really? Mm. It mashes them all up because. Uh, Say, so I read the old Dark that's Horse the ADP. WWE match everybody wants to see. So. <laughs> well, we should probably start wrapping this up. Oh, were you going to say something? One more thing. I think yeah. if they wanted to keep in line, they should have called it Prometheuses. <laughs> Prometheuses? It was, it was like. Because it would be alien and aliens, right? Yeah. How do you... What's the parallel? Per- Promethei. <laughs> Promethei. Yeah. Okay, I just killed your show. So. <laughs> not at all. But, yeah, so for those of, uh, uh, those of you not following us on social media, we are The Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. Maurice handles our Twitter. And what is that, good sir? At Boogeyman's The... Thank you very much. We also have a Patreon. It's $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes, as well as one exclusive episode every month. Uh, anything higher than that gets you artwork in the mail, chances to pick shows, etc., etc. Uh, we are part of the Rad Pantheon Network, uh, basically a group of rad people doing rad stuff. So check out radpantheon.com and Rad Pantheon on all the socials for more podcasts, artists, and musicians doing cool stuff. Uh, Eric, thank you for joining us, good sir. It's always a pleasure. Thank it's you. been too long. We haven't had you since I still know what you did last summer. I know. <laughs> I just figured the show imploded after that. Everybody was like, no, we're done now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we have to get you back on here more. But uh, for those of you that like to watch what we're going like to like to watch our movies before we cover it, our next movie is yet another movie from 1999. This is the only uh, episode this month that breaks the 1999 pattern. We are ending our big budget horror with End of Days, 
the Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle. So, only be our second Schwarzenegger movie. Because we did Predator. That was it. But, alright guys, so as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. Bye. Later. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned. Hey,